Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You know what that means? Praise the Lord! You know, we, we kind of uh, learn that maybe when we're, if, if you were a child and, and learned the song, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Right, right, right. Who remembers it? Right? Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. Now notice something about that. Whenever you say praise ye the Lord, it's not just praise the Lord, it's praise ye the Lord, right? A translation of the word hallelujah is praise ye the Lord. Now ye is a word we really don't use that much anymore, right? Ye is actually the, the, the plural of you, okay? So whenever it's, it's a command saying, praise ye the Lord, saying, plural, all of you. All of, it's kind of like saying y'all. Y'all praise the Lord. Okay? <laughs> y'all praise the Lord. But literally, you know, hallelujah means y'all praise the Lord. Okay? Um, what we're looking at this morning is a text here in Psalms that tells us to praise the Lord. The point of this text is just that. The thing that God is wanting us to do when we hear this is to praise Him. It's a command. And He begins it and ends it with the same thing. He says, praise the Lord in the very first verse. And the very line, the last line says, praise the Lord. Literally, that's, well, not just literally. It was originally written, hallelujah at the beginning and hallelujah at the end. If we get this text... If we, if we hear what God is saying to us, praise ought to well up within us so that we praise Him. We can't help but look at a text like this. If, if we're alive at all, spiritually alive, we should see this text and we should all be overwhelmed with praise. Let's read it. Psalm 46, 146, Psalm 146 says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who forever, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked brings to ruin. he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign 
forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, may we be moved by this text. Not in clever speeches made by men, but Lord, that the the word of God would grip our souls and we would rejoice. We would praise you because of what you have said and what you have done. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I've already explained the first line says, praise the Lord. Y'all praise the Lord. It's a command. The psalmist, as he is saying this, he's calling out for everybody who reads this to praise the Lord. But then he turns and he begins to talk about himself. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. It's not enough for him. Uh, It's not enough for him to say, everybody else needs to praise the Lord. He talks to himself. We've got the psalmist here talking to himself. You know, sometimes people say, if you talk to yourself, you must be crazy. Well, the psalmist did it all the time. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Oh, my soul. He talked to himself. He preached to himself. You know what? That's something we've got to do sometimes. You know, whenever you're discouraged, open up the word and preach to yourself. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. It isn't enough for me, the preacher, to just stand up here and tell all of you, y'all praise the Lord. But I've got to say this just like the psalmist does and say, Praise the Lord, oh my soul. And if it doesn't touch my soul, it's not going to touch yours. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. You know, if we want to spread the praise of the Lord as we do evangelism, as we go among our day, as we share the gospel with people, I hope you're sharing the gospel with people. If you want others to praise the Lord, you've got to praise the Lord yourself. Then he says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. While I'm still breathing. While I, you know, our lives are fleeting. Our lives are just a mist, a vapor, a breath. And they can be gone. And we never know. Isn't that how we want to spend our lives? But praising the Lord. While we still have breath. While we're still around. While we still can. Praise the Lord. And he says, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. That's a little bit more than just being alive. While I still exist. You know, while we live out this life, and and we may live 70, 80, 90 years, and then die, and we're put into the ground, we still exist. There is a resurrection of the dead to come. And our souls, though they are absent from the body, they are present with the Lord, and we will praise the Lord as long as we still exist. We have a a system of questions and answers that we go through with, with, um, with Josh and our kids. 
We ask him, um, what did God give you besides a body? He has a, it says a soul that will never die. A soul that can never die. We all have a soul that can never die. We will either spend it in eternity praising the Lord, living out this text forever and ever and ever, or we will spend it in eternity in hell. So the psalmist calls us to sing praises to God while we still have our being, while we still exist. Notice he says, sing praises. There's a song to this. There's something wrong if we're not singing. God has commanded us to sing. Well, some people may come to church and they just kind of sit there and they don't join in the singing. Well, singing's just not my thing. I'm just not a singer. Jesus, the Lord says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He commands us all to sing. If we're not singing, we're in disobedience. He calls us to sing praises while we still have our being. Then he says, he turns here, and he begins to tell us reasons why we ought to praise the Lord. And he starts with a negative one. First, he says, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. We're supposed to praise the Lord, not some prince. Not to put our trust in some leader like the president of the United States or a senator or a congressman or a judge. We're not supposed to put our trust in politics. We're not supposed to put our trust in some person, but we put our trust in the Lord. Why should we not trust in a person? Here he says, in a son of man or a son of Adam, a human being in which... There is no salvation. No human being can save us, ultimately. Donald Trump can't save America. Only Jesus can do that. Our Supreme Court can't save America. Only Jesus can do that. There is no salvation in electing all the right leaders. Our salvation is found only in Jesus. Praise the Lord. It also means when the the wrong people, from our perspective, get elected, we have nothing to worry about because it's not them that saves America. It's not them that saves our soul. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Then, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that very day, his, his plans perish. Princes and leaders and kings and all of those, the president, one of these days, they're going to die Their breath is going to depart from them. Their body is going to return to the earth. They're going to be buried. They're going to rot. We don't need to put our trust in them. We don't need to put our trust in a person who, whenever they die, their plans just fall apart. We can make all kinds of plans. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And who knows? God may require of our life that very night and all of our plans fall apart. We ought not to trust in a person, but we trust in, we do trust in a person. We trust in Jesus. We praise the Lord. Then he says, blessed is he. You know, we, we read this in Psalm chapter 1, where blessed is the man who's, um, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
And then in the Sermon on the Mount, we hear it. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Here, the psalmist says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. God is our help. Oh God, our help in ages past. This is a hymn that we, we probably don't sing that often anymore. God is our help. If God is our help, we should be blessed. It ought to make us happy to know that God is our help. And not just any God. You know, there's a lot of people who say, I believe in God. But James tells us, even the demons believe in God and they tremble. It isn't enough just to say, I believe in God. But is it the God of Jacob? It matters who you trust in. It matters who this God is. And it cannot just be the Jesus of our imagination. It cannot just be our own view of who we think Jesus ought to be. No, we get our view of who God is, the God of Jacob, from the Bible itself. If our view of Jesus, if our view of God is shaped by anything other than the Bible, we are worshiping an idol. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is our help. He was, as it says here, back up a little bit, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Our, he is our help and he is our hope. He is the one we're trusting in. And it describes who this God of Jacob is, who made the heavens and the earth. That God we read about in Genesis chapter 1, who made the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is the God of Jacob. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. The one who, who made all the seas, who separated the water from the land and who filled those with living creatures, both the sea and the air and the land, all of those things, they're in His control. He made them all and He deserves our praise for it. Blessed is He whose help is the God of Jacob, the one who did all those things, who made everything, who made the heavens and the earth. It isn't enough to, to just worship some kind of force out there. You know, Star Wars fans, they may, may think about the force, this cosmic force that is in everything. It's kind of like the Eastern mysticism, this, the pantheism idea that basically says God is in everything. And, and the, you, you might hear somebody who's not a believer talk about uh, you know, praying to the universe. That's not the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is the one who stands outside of the universe, who made the heavens and the earth, who made the waters and everything that lives upon the earth. Who keeps faith forever. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. He made a promise to Adam and Eve in the garden. He said that there would one day come someone who would crush the serpent's head. And he made good on that promise. He promised 
Abraham that he would have a son even though he was 90 years old. And he made good on that promise. He made a promise to David that he would one day have a son who sits on his throne forever. And he made good on that promise. And it is Jesus Christ the Lord. He keeps faith forever. He executes justice for the oppressed. You look around the world and are you disturbed by the oppression that is around? Are you disturbed by the injustice that is all over the world? We know that God is the one who executes justice for the oppressed. And while we look around our world and we see things that are not the way they're supposed to be, we know that God in heaven executes justice for the oppressed. When we feel like we're the one who's being oppressed, we can stand firm knowing that God sees, that God knows, and He will make everything right. Who gives food to the hungry. Where does our food come from? Maybe we go to the store and buy it, right? Or, or you know, we, we grow it in our gardens. But who makes it rain? And who makes that seed grow? And who makes our livestock give birth? But only the Lord. We can think that Yeah, it's the system, the way the world works. You know, we we go to the market, we buy what we need, but He is the one who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. You know, I believe here, He begins to turn and He talks about some of the things that Isaiah points forward looking to as the Messiah accomplishing. When the Messiah comes, He's going to be one who sets the captives free free. We all in our sin are slaves to sin. Before we come to know Jesus, we are bound, shackled, and chained. And we are unable to do anything to save ourselves until the Word of God comes to us in Jesus Christ. And our eyes are opened and our shackles are undone and we rise and walk says here, the Lord is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. And we see that in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus many times heals a blind man. And someone says, who ever heard that someone had opened the eyes of the blind? But if they'd read their Bible, they'd know that Jesus was the very Lord God who made the heavens and the earth. He was the God of Jacob. He was the one who filled the seas and the air with living creatures. He opens the eyes of the blind. Not only before we are believers, before we trust in Jesus, are we, are we slaves to our sin, but we are blind. We are blind. We are spiritually blind. We don't know what the truth is. We walk around stumbling in the dark, wondering what will get us through. And Jesus comes and He opens the eyes of the blind. Our scales fall off our eyes and we breathe the breath of life. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. He exalts 
the humble. As we read in the in other passages, he lifts up those who are bowed down, those who feel crushed. You know, this again relates to salvation. What do we have to do to be saved? We have to be humbled. We have to realize our sin is so horrendous, so wicked. We bow down and we throw ourselves at the mercy of Jesus. And when we throw ourselves down, He lifts us up. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He loves the righteous. You know, who is that? Who is the righteous? You know, there's another place we read in Psalms, there is none righteous. No, not one. But Jesus sends one, the Lord sent one who was righteous. Jesus Christ, his son, who never sinned. Never sinned one time. Jesus Christ is the righteous one, the righteous Lamb of God who was slain for our sins. The Lord loves Jesus. The Lord loves the righteous. But it doesn't stop there. Because if we are in Christ, if we trust in Him, then He imputes His righteousness to us. There is no righteousness in ourselves, but when we have been humbled, when our eyes have been opened, when we have been set free from our sins, Jesus looks at us and we are righteous. The Lord loves us when we have trusted in Him. The Lord watches over the sojourners. We are strangers and aliens in a foreign land. Too often we get comfortable. We get comfortable in this world and we think, this is my home. We ought to be more heavenly minded. We ought to realize that we are pilgrims. We are strangers in this world. This world is not our home in a very real sense. We can talk about all the eschatology and how all that works out, but in a very real sense, we are called to live as strangers and aliens in this world. And the Lord watches over the sojourners. We ought to be strange as Christians. The world ought to look to us and say, what are they doing that for? They're so strange. Worshiping a guy who they say died and then came back to life? We are strange in this world. And Jesus watches over the stranger, the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. The Lord takes care of those who are disheartened, those who are marginalized, those who are weak. He gives strength. But the way of the wicked He brings to ruin. You know, most of this has all been very positive. The Lord made the heavens and the earth. He made the seas and everything in them. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. All these good things, but then He turns because there are two ways, aren't there? But the way of the wicked He brings to ruin. Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you praising Him? 
Because if you're not praising Him, this line, the way of the wicked, is you. Are you praising the Lord? Are you praising Him? Does your life cry out to praise the Lord? Because the way of the wicked He brings to ruin. He will frustrate all your plans. The way of the wicked He brings to ruin. Now the Lord will reign forever. He is not a man who will die and be put in the ground and rot. He is not someone like this prince who, in whom there is no salvation, but the Lord will reign forever through the man He has appointed, Jesus Christ. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, from generation to generation, literally, He is our God, and we should pass this tradition. We should pass this faith down from generation to generation. It's not just for us, but it's also to those who we pass it down to. We ought to praise the Lord. And then he closes with this final word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Does this cause us to want to praise Him? He made everything. He is the one who made everything. He he sustains everything. He gives food. He provides everything we need. He is the one who executes justice whenever everything looks bad. He opens our blind eyes. He sets us free. Doesn't that want us want to shout? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.